Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I... I... This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Club to you too, or whatever. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we welcome to the show, Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals. Kapusta, bumpy, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Welcome everyone, Yak Shamash, to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Proud part of Bucky's fifth quarter, of course, brought to you by Rent College Pads. This is Jay Kukorowski. we got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Appreciate it. Big show tonight, just talking about a bunch of stuff going on. Obviously, Jimmy Leonard, the living legend, coming back, will now be Coach Leonard, coaching the defensive backs of Wisconsin. We'll dig into that in about 15, 20 minutes or so. Also talks about Badgers basketball. Obviously, a big matchup going on in Iowa City tomorrow night. And then you have, on top of that, you have uh, the Bucks uh, bringing back Steve Novak, Marquette grad, Marquette alum, which will be a big thing there. And then, uh, but first, let's, uh, oh, of course, there's the NFL Scouting Combine where former Badgers Joel Schobert, Joel Stave, and Savi, and Tyler Maris will be there uh, trying to share their stuff. And so we'll dig into that. But uh, starting off, you know, it's, we haven't had a chance to talk about it a lot lately. But, Scotty, you're looking at the fact that, well, quite frankly, uh, spring training. Uh, pitchers and catchers started heading to Arizona and Florida, respectively. And... Judging by the roster, I don't even know who's on this team anymore. So that's why we need your help here to break down this active roster and some of the expectations that we have going into the 2016 season. Well, I'd love to get into that, um, by the way. Uh, Good evening. Um, And I just want to say I'm very happy to be riding your coattails through this show, but I don't want to, with all seriousness, and before we get underway, congratulations, and I don't know if you, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it, but man, what an accomplishment for you and for this show and for all the listeners, uh, for those who don't know, I'll let you make the announcement because I couldn't be more proud of you, my man, so why don't you let everybody know what's going on, and then we can delve into, well, then we could go from good news to bad news, we could go from your announcement to Brewer's talk, but... (laughs) Let's start off on a high note, at least. Yeah, no, thanks, Scotty. I appreciate it, brother. Basically, for those that uh, didn't uh, see, obviously, obviously, not, not all of you are my Facebook friends. I would love to have that, but uh, and then I also posted it on Twitter this afternoon. Basically, I've been working on a book project, and it's based off of, and the idea came from my long-form on-the-walk-on program that Wisconsin has, very heralded, and I wrote the long-form back in December 2013. About a month or two later, Joel Nellis, who is a former tight end at Wisconsin from 01 to 05, messaged me saying that he would like us to collaborate on a book, and... Joel and I, for the, uh, you know, the pat, that first year was kind of rough. Uh, we had talked and chatted a lot, but then last year, after our twins were born, we actually had, a, and the, their boys were actually sleeping more than six hours at a time. We decided to really put the pedal to the metal, and we've interviewed over 40 former players and coaches. You know, Mark Tosher, Jared Aberderis, Jim Leonard. Chris Maragos, uh, former NFL head coaches, in, in the fact that you're looking at 
Brad Childress, uh, who is the offensive coordinator from 92 to 98. We talked to him last week. It's been a really special process. Uh, and, I mean, you look at the fact that I mean, we still got another four or five interviews this week to go through, too. But uh, on Friday, we signed a book deal with KCI Sports Publishing with a hopeful fall 2016 release. And uh, very fortunate for all the support. Uh, going from Joel to reach out to me because I had an inkling about it, but with certain things people were saying about that article, uh, he pushed me you know, to, to think about it further, and that was big. Uh, big shout-out to, of course, all the writers of Bucky's fifth quarter for their constant support, and Mike Fiametta, our, managing, our site manager, who's done so much for us. Uh, for, for us as a podcast, but also me as a writer and, and tightening my skills. And then, uh, of course, I mean, in the big, you know, like, you know, I can thank my wife, obviously, for, I've had so many hobbies in the past, and, and she's, you know, supported me through them. And this is a big one because, uh, you know, something that seems like the podcast is worth writing, it's sticking, and, and I'm, I'm thankful and grateful for her support. And then uh, our friend Sarah Street, who, who edited some of these stuff, uh, some of our draft chapters before we submitted them to the publisher. That was a big thank you there. And then, I mean, obviously everyone that's, that's you know, wrote the air, that's wrote positive comments on our stories, you know, everyone that's read uh, what we've written. Uh, but also, like, big thanks to you, brother. If it wasn't back, and for people that don't know, I mean, we started this before we joined Bucky's Fifth Quarter back in July of 2012. We talked about it in February of that year uh, as something for us to do. Scotty is is the experienced sports journalist, sports writer, and, and, and has done tons of stuff for ESPN Wisconsin back in the 2000s, and, and, and even before that, with uh, if, for people that don't know, Scotty had a great uh, public access show uh, that had some of the best uh, sports minds, uh, you know, sports talk minds that, that were uh, uh, you know available, and he, uh, you know, we came together, formed the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, and from there we took off. And it's been uh, without Scotty agreeing to jump on and and us molding this into the podcast that it is today, none of this is possible. So, uh, like I said, uh, Scotty, thank you so much, brother. Uh, very much appreciate. You know, just like I said, you you've helped me turn into a professional. You've shown me the ropes, and I am forever indebted to this, my friend. Well, first of all, as much as I appreciate it, uh, I don't take any credit for for this. This was all you. Now, obviously, we put the show together. If I'm the person you're looking for for guidance, though, man, I'm surprised you made it as far as you did. But uh, in all seriousness, no, I, I, you know, I enjoyed the fact that we started this thing and we're going to keep doing it. But I wouldn't have done it if I didn't believe in this group, this unit, you and I being able to do it. If I thought it, that there wasn't going to be a payoff, be it us continuing to get better and grow our listenership or you being able to branch out and do the things that you've always desired to do, if I didn't think that that was going to come out of it, I wouldn't have done it because it would have been a waste of my time. So um, so as much as I appreciate the thanks and the kudos, you know, you you need to realize that this is a huge accomplishment this was all from you and 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 the book was your 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 baby and your brain trust and all you have to do to thank me is i don't know if you could squeeze me into a forward somewhere and just put, just make sure you spell his new ski right i think you might be able to, <laughs> to, to pull that off but no seriously it, it's great i'm happy for you i can't wait for the book to get to get published it's going to be a crazy next three to eight to nine months or whatever that cycle is and 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 i wish you the best with that because you're going to be you know obviously being called at weird hours and getting on shows and getting a chance to pub it but i'm very very happy can't wait for it to get finished and i can't wait to read it so congrats to you on that now let's jump into some baseball talk because you know it's no secret you know i love baseball you know i'm a major league guy even with the Brewers, the local team not being very good, um, I still get excited this time of year when pitchers and catchers report. Because, you know what, I love the NFL, you know that, but I'll take spring training baseball over the combine any day. So, um, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just weird or twisted or I don't know. But 
The Milwaukee Brewers start their 2016 campaign down in Arizona, and you kind of touched on it. You, there's a lot of names that people might not have heard of, and they're not going to be very good. I've seen anywhere from 65 wins to 77 on the top end. Actually, Pakoda picked them for 77 wins. But I'll tell you what. This team, while it's going to be not very good, there's a very bright future. I think in a very short time, Stearns and this Brewer Brain Trust have put together a farm system that I've seen ranked in some rankings as high as number one. They seem to be generally a top ten no matter who you talk to. And a couple of years ago, they were sitting around 27, 28. So they've made some changes. They did it rapidly. Now, on the flip side, prospects are still prospects until they actually prove it in the majors. And, I mean, anybody who's my age in the mid-40s remembers prospects of the late 80s and early 90s that were can't miss, and they missed quite a bit. Um, that being said, though, I like where they're, where they're at for the future and what's going to be a tough division for a number of years to come. But this year, not very good. We know a couple things for certain, at least I think we know a couple things for certain. Until he gets traded, Jonathan Lucro is your your, sec, your your catcher. Ryan Braun's moving to left field to open up playing time for Santana and right. Beyond that, there's a lot of question marks. Aaron Hill, who was acquired in a trade, uh, in a Segura trade a couple weeks ago, is probably going to be your starting third baseman with Middlebrooks backing him up at third and backing up Chris Carter at first. Jeanette's your second baseman. Villar is your shortstop until Arcia comes up, which could be May. Who knows? Center field is very wide open. Kurt Newenhouse, the, the cast off from the Mets. Uh, Liriano, the kid that they picked up on waivers, another great due diligent waiver pickup from San Diego. Uh, and some other bodies that are going to be thrown in there, some non-roster invitees. That's basically your everyday field positions. Not a lot there. Obviously, Braun Lucroy are the proven guys. Hill's the agent veteran. Carter's the all-or-nothing power first baseman. Santana's a guy who, if he plays every day, is going to strike out 220 times, but has some power. But that's about it. Pitching-wise, you got Nelson Peralta, Garza, Youngman, and Chase Anderson probably going to be your starting five. Yeah, on paper, they're not very good. I guess what I would tell anybody out there who's a Brewer fan, this is for the fans. If you're not a Brewer fan, do what you want. You don't have to go to any games. If you're a Brewer fan, you have to understand this isn't the same bad baseball we saw in the end of the C-League era where they just trotted guys out there with no focus and, and whatnot. This team is building for the future, and they're doing it through a farm system, and they're doing it the right way. So I guess if you're a baseball fan and you, you happen to root for the Brewers, get out there and get to some games to let them know that you believe in what's coming in the future. The major league roster is not going to be great, but they weren't great last year. People got mad because Gomez got traded, but you got some prospects, some great prospects for him. People are mad because Chris Davis got traded, but you got some great prospects for him. You had those guys last year, and they stunk up the house. So – wouldn't you rather be moving in a better direction, in a younger direction, if all things being equal you're going to lose 95 games? You might as well do it with some glimmer of hope and not a bunch of guys that are just kind of uh, dragging it to the end of their career. When you look at this team, you know, look at the roster, and you look at, like you said, we've you haven't had a chance to really talk about it, where we have, you're looking at, the just you know on the 12th they traded you know Chris Davis to Oakland maybe let's let's talk about that real quick where you're, sure. you you have the fact that uh, Davis obviously a slugger had a hot streak for a while last season yeah but then you know sometimes hit and miss uh, no pun intended but then you know, we get right hand pitcher Bubba Derby you get a catching prospect Jacob Nottingham which. Could foreshadow possibly something with Lucroy leaving, and what what are your thoughts on that trade, and and where does that leave the Brewers with not just Lucroy, but just you know that that farm system that you said is becoming more and more replenished. It's a great trade because you want to see what Santana can do, but what 
what a disaster it would have been if you played Santana in center field because that he is not a center fielder. So you need to put him in a position that's more natural for him, which is in one of the corners. So that cleared that spot. The other thing is you got guys like Phillips and Clark and some of these other prospects, these, these good-hitting prospects in the minors, so you'd need to clear spots for them eventually anyway. And beyond Jonathan Lucroy, there's not much as far as catching depth in the farm system, and now you got your catcher of the future. Now, does that mean they'll trade Lucroy? Likely, maybe, but who's to say Lucroy doesn't move to first base a la Joe Maurer when this kid's nodding hands ready to, to catch? I mean, so... Yes, it likely means that it's the end of, of Lucroy's tenure in Milwaukee, but it, it could just mean it foreshadows a position shift. Who knows? I mean, the Brewers likely know that better than we do, and they probably don't even have all the answers to those questions yet either. But um, but it's a it was a great trade. And, and then being able to pick up the pitcher that, that got released. You know what the Brewers have done is they've picked up some guys that are minor league retreads. You know, Ciccini, who was a top Boston uh, prospect before um, he started having his struggles. Uh, Liriano, who was a Padres top prospect. Broxton, the center fielder, who was a Pirates top 10 prospect. This pitcher from Oakland, who was a top 10 prospect. And they kind of fell out, but maybe you need a change of scenery. There's nothing wrong with signing guys to minor league deals. It doesn't cost you anything. But if they had enough talent to be labeled top prospects in some pretty good farm systems, why not take that chance? So, anyway, that makes that trade even even better. And I like Chris Davis. I like him a lot more than Brewer fans did. I think they were a little tough on him. Um, and I hope he has a good career, and I hope he plays well in Oakland, and I hope things work out for him. But there was going to be a log jam, and Stearns and his his uh, his front office, weren't, they're not married to these guys. He didn't draft Davis. He didn't draft Lucroy. He didn't bring these guys in. Those were all Doug Melvin guys. So what he's doing is he's putting his stamp. He's bringing in guys he's familiar with, guys that he knows. You know, in theory, I would have liked to see him sign a David Freezer and Austin Jackson and be a little bit more competitive. But what would that have gotten? Five more wins? Six more wins? So they go from 70 wins to 77? Are you still making the playoffs? You know, so on one hand, yeah, you'd like to see a little bit better top-to-bottom lineup. The, the wins above replacement weren't going to be high enough to make them a contender by bringing in one of those guys I just mentioned, you know, Dexter Fowler or somebody like It wasn't going to make a difference. So let them struggle a little bit, but all you hope when you're, re, when you're re, really rebuilding, not the fake rebuilding that we were sold under the Bud Selig era and, 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 and uh, Wendy Selig era, uh, where they weren't really rebuilding. What you want to see is the guys who come up, you want to see them get better. You want to see Santana strike out less. You want to see uh, the Liriano kid maybe start to play better as the year goes on. You want to see if Arcia gets called up, him develop from the time he comes up to the end of the season. Maybe Scooter Jeanette takes the next step. I mean, he's not necessarily the young prospect anymore, but he's still a young player. You know, so maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's what you're hoping for. Maybe, you know, those are definitely what you want uh, is you want to see growth, incremental growth. Chris Carter is not the answer at first base. I don't know that they have the answer at first base. Maybe the answer at first base is a guy like Santana or one of these other outfielders where they seem to have a log jam because um, he's not the answer. I don't know that they have the answers in the corners yet, and those are things maybe they address when they trade Lucroy at the All-Star break. Maybe they get that third baseman of the future. Maybe they get that first baseman of the future. Those are the spots where they don't have guys yet that I, I feel are ready to take the reins. They got enough guys up the middle. They got a ton of outfielders. Now they got a catching prospect, even some pitching depth. But they don't have those corner guys yet. And guys like Aaron Hill and Chris Carter are placeholders. And that's simply put, that's all that they are is placeholders uh, on a rebuilding team. That's why Chris Carter got signed to a one-year deal. To where Aaron Hill's got one year left on his deal. They're not here for the long term. They're just here to take up a spot. They're veterans. They've been around the league a little bit. Aaron Hill, before he got injured, had some pretty good seasons. Chris Carter's always just been, you know, Chris Carter's a Doug Melvin guy, if you think about it. I mean, he wasn't brought here by Doug Melvin, but he's a Doug Melvin guy. He hits a lot of home runs, hits for low average, 
strikes out a lot, doesn't really walk a lot, his glove is suspect. That's that's what Doug Melvin, that's his M.O. That's what he's drafted for uh, for quite some time. So, um, anyway, all that aside, I really I really believe that um, the future is bright, but the immediate future, eh, not so much. When you have the when you look at this team, let me let me ask you about Matt Garza. Let me ask you about uh, obviously he had some comments. I think it was Brewers on deck saying he's going to pitch for himself. Uh, he's going to pitch for me. Your thoughts on those comments and and what do you think he means by that? Um, I I don't know what he means, uh, but I know that if he if he wasn't pitching for himself the last couple of years, then maybe it's better that he is because he stunk the last couple of years. Um, you know, he, the Brewers can't trade him because he's got a couple of years left on his deal, and he hasn't been really good. If he wants out and he wants a better situation, then he's got to pitch better. And I think the Brewers are fine with that. The better Garza pitches, even if it only means a couple more wins, the better it is for the organization. Maybe he becomes somewhat of a leader to the young pitchers. Maybe he becomes tradable and the Brewers can move him for a prospect. I didn't take it to him. You know, the fact that he came, he had a pretty good attitude. I saw him at Brewers on deck. Considering the way the season ended last year, and it turns out, as usual, there's always more to the story. He had some personal issues happening around the same time that he got demoted to the bullpen. He didn't handle it very well. He admits to that. Um, but he hasn't been good the last couple of years. So, really, there's nothing There's nothing he can do differently that's going to make it worse for, for his situation. So, why not? And let me ask you, biggest battles that are that are going forth is it an outfield positions is it basically whoever winds up in the starting infield what are some of the biggest i would say the or maybe the more intriguing battles that will be taking place on a team that like you mentioned is not supposed to be good this year well there's there's three big ones center field because there's a lot of guys that are equally as unproven or you're unsure of so it's a pretty much dead heat, I think, between four or five guys. Uh, you can even throw Shane Peterson in the mix. Um, so that's the biggest one because there's a, there's a lot of people battling for that that spot. After that, backup shortstop or slash backup middle infielder because there's a ton of those guys as well. As well, and again, they're all pretty equal. They're all pretty uh, pretty much the same type of guy, type of hitter. So who's going to distinguish themselves? And I think fifth starter. I mean, you know, you, you know that Peralta and Garza and Nelson are your starters. You think Youngman's in there for sure, and I think Anderson's the five. But Zach Davies might might prove them wrong. Tyler Cravey might prove something wrong. So it's not like any of those spots, other than probably Nelson and Peralta, they're locked in stone. So the the other pitchers I just mentioned. They're going to do their best to try to win that spot, too. They don't want to be either the long reliever or the number one guy in Colorado Springs. They want to make this roster. So I think all those things um, are the three biggest battles. I mean, we pretty much know Carter is your first baseman. There isn't really a, a true backup first baseman even on this. Maldonado and Lucroy are your backup. Then Will Middlebrooks. So that's pretty much a done deal. I mean, you know, there's not a, a position battle there. We know until, as long as he's on the team and healthy, Luke Ray's your starting catcher, so that's not a position battle. And Ryan Braun, because of his contract, which, by the way, if the Brewers were a big market team, Ryan Braun's contract isn't that bad. I mean, it's bad because it takes up a third of this Brewers' payroll, which might be the lowest in baseball. But it's bad for this market and for this team, but it's not a bad contract. But because of that contract, you know he's starting left fielder. You know if he's healthy, he's going to be in there every day. And your closer is Will Smith, and you got a really deep bullpen. So I suppose bullpen's another one because there's really a lot of good arms for six or seven spots. There might be eight or nine guys fighting it out for a bullpen spot. So that's another position battle, but that one's because – there's just a lot of really good players, whereas some of the other position battles are there's a lot of unproven guys, and you're not really sure who's going to 
pick up the ball and run with it. So it'll be interesting. We'll get more into it in a couple of weeks once some of these position battles start to shake down, and we'll talk about you know the year of the Cub. It could be the year of the Cub. It could be the year of the 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 Metro World Series. I mean, you know, the White Sox are a team that's made some moves too. We'll talk about that. Boston's a team that looks poised to 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 jump up and do some things. Um, Washington, uh, disappointment last year, but still a very talented team. Uh, the Dodgers are going to spend a ton of money because they have the fattest, biggest TV contract in baseball. So those are all things that I think when you look at it and, and it's all said and done, um, th- those are some of the the, the, the storylines across baseball, not just you know the Brewers. Again, we're going to have to find some other stories because while the Brewers are growing, we already mentioned it, they're not going to be very good. But uh, we'll get more into that. But let's shift gears a little bit. Talk about some Badger basketball. And we didn't. I don't think we did a show since they beat Maryland. Right? Um, no, we haven't. Okay, so big win there. So that that kind of offset that loss to Michigan State. As far as I'm concerned, they're on pace to make the NCAA tournament. We talked about it a few weeks ago. They have to beat the teams they're better than and win one or two of those games against the teams that are better than them. Well, they beat Maryland. And that was a huge win for them. Now they got to beat Michigan. They got to beat Minnesota. It would be nice to get a win against Iowa or Purdue. Um, but if they do that and then they can win one of those tournament games, uh, Big Ten tournament games, I think they're in. I think they've done a good job overcoming that really sluggish start to the Big Ten season and really sluggish start to the non conference season. And they got through the whole Bull Ryan retiring and and the changing of the guard, no pun intended. And uh Oh there is. This, Absolutely there yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 this team has done what they needed to do. They've made themselves a team that's a a tournament team and and that's good. And I think Marquette's done that a little bit too, but they have to do a few more things. They have a longer road to go than Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin controls their own destiny, whereas Marquette needs a couple things to go there. Like I think what I mean by controls their own destiny, every team controls their own destiny in basketball. But when I say controls their own destiny, as long as they don't lose to the inferior teams, I think they've done enough with their resume to get in. I think Marquette needs a little bit more uh, upsets. They have to pull off some things here that they, you know, that they may or may not be able to do. But Wisconsin's put themselves in a good spot in a very good conference, and uh, I think I think Badger fans and 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 some of the doubters, like I was in the beginning of the year, and rightfully so, have to stand up and say, "Hey, they've they've come quite quite a long ways and and put themselves in in a position to to get where I thought they were going to get." I thought. When the season started, even with all the guys they've lost, I thought they were a team that was a tournament team, even if it wasn't a high-seeded tournament team. And that's what they've managed to to do at this juncture. It's impressive. Just, I mean, this team's still young. It's still growing. Obviously, you have Nigel Hayes, you have Bronson Canning that are that were that came into the season being the only starters with significant playing time from from the year before. In mm-hmm. you know, after. Ryan retired abruptly. You have the simple fact that you, know, you had an, an Ethan Happen starting to emerge, but he's utilized a deeper bench. Alex Alakanen. You've seen a little bit of, of Khalil Iverson. You've seen uh, obviously a little bit of Charlie Thomas, though maybe not so many minutes uh, not now uh, compared to earlier in the season. But then you have uh, you know, guys like Aaron, uh, you know Aaron Mesh and uh, Jordan Smith, and it's a team that really. You know they're starting to find their identity with this, and you know you had Jordan Smith, but then also Jordan Hill, uh, really getting some action. I mean, this is a fact that this this team is getting better, and it, Vito Brown is by far is uh, really you're looking for obviously with, with Koenig and Hayes, you have Hap who you know, put us up what 18 points against Michigan State. Has you know, leads us. I think he led scores in the Illinois game and had a double double. Doesn't get freshman of the year awards, even though he's, you know, he's had two or three of them already. I think he's had three. Uh, they're starting to find their footing, and it's, everything that happened with this, with you know, with Wisconsin, you've seen the progression from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. There's the, almost every Bill Ryan team 
has improved over the course of a season. And and you saw this here with, with guard. And honestly, it's going to be a tough decision for you know, looking at it with, uh, with for, you know, athletic director Barry Alvarez. You have the simple fact of obviously you want to do what's best for business, what's best for the University of Wisconsin and the best for, for the brand of, of, of Wisconsin athletics. So you know there might be feel you never know if there'll be feelers out there for Tony Bennett or even some of the the other coaches that you take a look at uh, from Northern Iowa. I think it's Jacobson over there and a couple wow. others around the area. But Guard has just done such a good job, uh, and obviously yeah. the victories that they had against you mentioned Maryland, Michigan State before that, and yeah, you know that that was at home. But before, and obviously they you know they laid an egg against a very tough Michigan State team who is at home. But, you know, they write a seven-game winning streak after after that disappointing loss to Northwestern. But even before that, you take a look at that, and, and their four losses before the Michigan State loss were all, was, I think, 15 points. So you're looking at the fact that it's a pretty much a two-position game each game that they lost in. And so it's this team is, is primed to do something. Yeah, and, and they're a very dangerous team now. Depending on if they hit their shots like you saw against, let's say, per se, you know, um, like against Michigan State, or let me just make sure I'm, I'm reading this right here, like, uh, you know, against Maryland uh, and, and against Nebraska. And, and, you know, you're looking at the fact that they're, they're hitting on all cylinders. They're getting that three-point shooting, which they needed a good outside shot. So they're making their shots. And they make their shots in the way that they're playing right now. That they're they're among the best in the Big Ten. And it's if it, it, thing is though, you see if they they go a little ice cold, they're gonna get blown out against Michigan State. Now they have Iowa tomorrow in mm-hmm. Iowa City, 8 p.m. start time on BTN for those that are listening. You're looking at the fact that it's, it's Iowa has been struggling of late. They have not been that great. Uh, but then you have the simple fact that uh, they've had a week off. I think that's the you know that's a scary. They've had a close to a week off, so they've had time to rest up, and you know with the simple fact that, um, yeah, gosh, it, it's going to be a tough matchup. If, depending upon what happens, they, they have to keep the score tight. They're down in, in Iowa City, and they got, they got what they got four regular season games left. Is that right? Yep, they're at okay. Iowa. Then they uh, then they have. Senior Day against Michigan on I believe it's Sunday, and then they right. close out at Minnesota, and then at and then Purdue. Purdue, and then yeah, so the exactly what I thought. If they go two and two and one and one in the tournament, so if they go three, if they get three more wins, they're in. As long as they don't lose to Minnesota, because Minnesota, at least. Uh, three more well, wins, the and they're too. in. Yeah, and and you can, right now you're looking at their resume right now, right? Per you dot. Per UW, you know, like per UWBadgers.com right now, looking at some of the games, Smith. Uh, you are looking, you know, strength and size schedule 6, RPI 44, BPI mm-hmm. 40. Their camp pump's 31. And so, it's a, you know, mm-hmm. according to the ESPN's RPI ratings, that's the sixth t- toughest schedule in the NCAA. Again, mm-hmm. they have, you know, I mean, they've, they've had road wins at Maryland. And, and Syracuse, and then they've had home yep. wins against Michigan State, Indiana, and Temple. I mean, you know, and then they had the neutral site win against VCU. The problem does lie in the fact that, obviously, during the beginning of the year, they stunk. They, you, you lose when they hang the banners up. You They lose to Western Illinois, which are just floundering yep. right now. They've lost to UW-Milwaukee and yep. at home, too. And Northwestern. So, yeah, and, and Northwestern. Northwest. Those, those, those are the three bad losses. Those are the bad losses. Marquette, you can get over. Marquette, 17 and 10. Georgetown, you can deal with that loss. But the three we just talked about, those are bad losses. And, uh, and they've, now they've, they've canceled those bad losses off with the wins against Michigan State and Maryland. I think they've knocked two, and Syracuse. So I think those basically cancel each other out. And it puts them in good shape. Now, I think the Maryland win, obviously, being the one that really kind of helped them. Now, that's why you don't want to lose to Minnesota. You don't want a fourth bad loss as you head down the stretch. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about it uh, extensively in the beginning of the year. And and that's why, just to get back to Greg Gard for a minute, and I, and we kind of got off track because I was going to ask you if you think he's done enough to keep his job. And you're right. Barry Alvarez is going to do what's best for the program. 
But what's best for the program might be Greg Gard. I mean, I, I would if if I could get Bennett, I would get Bennett. If I can't get Bennett, Greg Gard's my guy. That's how I would go. That's if I'm Barry, if I'm the the athletic director, if I'm in that position, it's Bennett then Gard because Gard's done enough. The team believes in him. He's shown that that he could take a team that wasn't playing well and keep them focused and turn things around. Um, he proved himself. Again, I still think Bennett might be a better hire just because of the ties and his pedigree and, and the fact that you know he's been in the top three now a couple years in a row. We'll see how far they fall after the loss to Miami. But nonetheless, still in a very good basketball conference, has, has been at the top of it the last couple of years. So that's how I feel. I, I wasn't sure about Greg Gard when he was handed the job by Bo Ryan, but as of right now, he's proven to me that he can do this job and he deserves this job. And uh, we'll see if Barry Alvarez agrees. And I, I do agree. And it's one of those things, too, where I think he has done enough to secure the job. I, I really do. I, and, and the fact that it's not just – it's multiple things. It's how the players respond to him, but it's also the former players and how much they vouch for – uh, you know, four guard. Uh, look at Brian Butch, Sam Decker, Frank Kaminsky, among others, Josh Oshner and others. Uh, they, he, he has the ability. He's been well groomed for to be a head coach. But then also, other you know, you look at other Big Ten basketball coaches mentioning and praising him, you know, and lauding him for the work that he's done. And so that's where you know, there's a lot going in his manner, and and it's. If they can keep it up and, and get in, uh, who knows when? Who knows what they can do? Obviously, and obviously, I'm not saying they're going back to the Final Four by any stretch. But I'm also saying there's not. A, I mean, you take a look at some of the just the. I won't say parody, but you have the fact that like there's no clear cut. It's not like Wisconsin and Kentucky last year where you had a feeling they're going to go to the final four within the first game of the year. You know, this is, there's a lot of light openness right now. And with March madness, who knows what they can do, but I think guard uh, has done more than enough to, to win the, and to be, and to earn the Wisconsin basketball, uh, you know, the men's basketball head coaching job. And we'll see how it plays out and and see how it goes tomorrow uh, against the Hawkeyes. But, uh, with that, I mean, other Wisconsin news, though, Scotty, uh, you look at the simple fact that uh, Jimmy Leonard, uh, we mentioned it earlier in the show, uh, Jim Leonard, the living legend of Wisconsin football, prob- arguably the best walk-on to ever step foot into uh, the confines of Camp Randall Stadium, is takes over for Durante Jones as new secondary coach when Durante went to the Miami Dolphins a step up to uh, be an assistant defensive backs coach for the Miami Dolphins and get into some nicer weather. And I like the hire. I, I, I Obviously, having worked with, with uh, now Coach Leonard for for the walk-on book and, and just uh, and other things, he's uh, very but obviously a 10-year veteran. He's been in multiple schemes. He's smart. He's a self-professed film room junkie, which is always great for an you know, assistant coach. And on top of that, you have endorsements from like former head coaches. You can see by the fact Rex Ryan brought him over when he was from and during the Ravens as defensive coordinator, brought him over to the New York Jets to to install Rex Ryan's three four defense. Uh, but also uh, having the fact that uh, you know Mike Pettin uh, back in 2014 in an article by Cle- by the Cleveland Browns website noted how. Leonard's a coach, essentially already on the field, and, and, and instilling and, and teaching the players the, the ins and outs of, of the defense. I, I mean, yeah. the only question mark I would say is is obviously it's he's just an assistant coach right away, and per ESPN Madison uh, with Zach Halperin noting when they had Leonard on the show back on Sunday talking about. He'll take over the East Coast recruiting and also the in-state defensive backs. It's that recruiting aspect is going to be something you'll have to get used to, and also the coaching grind during that time. But you're looking for someone to replace them. You're looking at the fact that, golly, I mean, who else besides a 10-year veteran would you hire 
uh, ten-year NFL veteran who's got the pedigree like Jim Leonard does. Well, you know, he had a lot of good endorsements. As you mentioned, you kind of ran him down. Um, I won't hold the pet one against him. Um, <laughs> so despite despite that, um, no, I, seriously, I yeah, it's a it's it's a good hire. We'll you know, there's a, I'm 99% sure this is going to be a good hire. There's always a question about guys who make the step back from the pro game to the college game and vice versa. However, I actually think it's easier to step back, especially as an assistant coach, from the pro game to the college game just because, obviously, the success he had as a player in college and some of the other things. It's a good hire. We're going to see what happens with that defense, uh, with the new coaching staff. There's still some very talented players there, and and, and the fact that the scheme isn't changing too much. But I, I think that's great, and I think it's great when you get – not only a good coach, but a guy who was, uh, you know, was instrumental in the success of your program when he was a player. You know, that just adds to it. It's the, it's the whole feel-good factor, the whole, you know, we remember Jimmy Leonard, we remember the type of player he was, we remember the good things about him being here, and now he's back as a coach. So, yes, there's a little bit of the reminiscing part, but more importantly, there's also the can he coach? Yes, we think he can. Great, he's going to be a great addition. Absolutely, and and it's uh, I I just like in spring practice starts off in March, so it's gonna be uh, I think it's the 16th if I'm not mistaken. So uh, we'll have to like when I get down there to, to to watch, we'll have to see how how he progresses and how they go from there. It's it's very much a like I said, it if you're looking for like look at the coaching staff right now. And how much I don't think Leonard goes anywhere else too. So there's that not just the the coaching and the pedigree there. There's a stability within that. It's something that was brought up uh, yesterday in a, a radio spot I did up in Appleton for ninety five three. The score they uh, you look at Paul Christ, obviously former Wisconsin alum. You have uh, look at that coaching staff. Joe Rudolph played there. You have oh gosh. Uh, John Settle was a former Wisconsin assistant coach underneath Brett Bielema. So you can count it there. Mickey Turner, the tight ends coach, is uh, was a former Wisconsin tight end. Look at the graduate assistants on that staff right now. And it's Antonio Finellis, Bill Nagy, John, John Budmeyer. There's one more. Oh, uh, Ethan Armstrong, all former Badgers. The strength and conditioning program, Ross Kalaji, was on those back-to-back Rose Bowl teams. Brady Ewing, uh, a good friend, uh, you know, and former fullback, former walk-on for that matter, assistant strength and conditioning coach, and, and GA Kyle Costigan, who was just on as recent as 2014 team. He's a GA for that. He's an assistant for for the strength and conditioning program, among others. And it's it, it, you know, there's a lot of st- you can start feeling there's a lot of stability within this program. And yeah, you know, it's, it's sort of what they're they're talking about for the like a destination job. A lot of these players really uh, are co- players now. Coaches, uh, you know, they, it's the Wisconsin way, if you will, if you if you will. And uh, basically, you know, Paul Christ is is kind of rebuilding that Wisconsin field that you saw back when Spielman was there, uh, and maybe something that you didn't see when Gary Anderson was there, but. Uh, and they just picked up two commits in state for the for this next class, uh, you know, uh, with uh, the Logan Bruss and uh, you know, and these are young guys. I mean, they're juniors, you know, but uh, yeah, the fact they had just picked up two other uh, commitments from Alex Fenton and, and Logan Bruss, which are both offensive linemen, uh, early on, so that they're starting to build early and they're and they're going from there. It's I'd say like there's there's a lot of stability in the staff, and I'm intrigued to see where where this goes, and especially with this 2016 schedule, how they're gonna uh, basically face the the LSU's. The you have LSU, you have obviously the Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State trio of trouble, and then you have Iowa on top of that. I think right after that too. So yeah, it's tough. It's gonna be it's, tough. Like it, it's one of those things, and we'll we'll talk more about it. Obviously, when we get close, but. One of those things where their record could be worse than this year, but they could be a better team. I mean, it's it, you know because the schedule this year. Let's face it, other than Alabama and then an Iowa team that kind of came out of nowhere, not necessarily the toughest 
meat grinder of a schedule, and that all changes in 2016. And and uh, obviously, we'll get more into that. Um, I want to talk some bucks. I also want to talk combine. We're talking football in the last 15 minutes. Let's quickly get the combine stuff out of the way because, man, I, 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 can't, I can't stand it. And I'll tell you what. I, I was listening to a scout on – this is another score the other day. They were talking about the combine being around now since 1985, I want to say. And really the whole purpose of the combine was for medicals. It was to check, you know, to do physicals. And, and none of the drills except for one – has changed in 30-plus years. So that tells you how, in some ways, I think the combine has outlived its usefulness because it really hasn't evolved, even though the game and the athletes and some of the other things have evolved. I think measurables are fine. I think those measurables, all things being equal, are 10% of the game. I mean, obviously, if you run a 4-4 and I run a 5-4, okay, I have no business being a cornerback. But if you run a 4-4 and I run a 4-5, but I'm a better football player, you can take those measurables and stick them. That's my opinion. (laughs) I'm not a scout. I'm not a pro player. But I just think that there's intangibles that don't get measured when you just boil things down to raw numbers. Again, they're important, but not when you're talking fractions of a second or you're talking 18 reps on a bench instead of 17. Does that really make you a better football? Does that really the deciding factor when you're thinking about drafting someone? I can't stand it. I mean, I would almost rather listen to some of the interviews by some of the GMs because some of them use it for some hard-hitting fact-finding stuff, and some of them use it as a joke. Like, if you could be anything in a refrigerator, what would you be? Uh, Okay, whatever. You know what? It's something for fans to talk about. It's certainly something for college fans to talk about because there are players that you mentioned, you know, Stavis, there's a couple other players. That's great. And maybe that helps them get drafted and good for them. But I think if you're a football player, somebody's going to draft you. If, if, if all things being equal, if you're within a few measurables of the next guy, but you're a football player, you're going to find your way into this league and hopefully on an NFL roster next September. Yeah, it, obviously it's, you know, in, in pro day, I know for Bucky's fifth quarter, at least two of us, myself, and then also – uh, Owen Reese is going to be doing some of the draft profiles for us this year while I'm sort of on my quote-unquote sabbatical from writing there on the website. Yeah, we're both going to be there. And it, it, and obviously uh, with the Combine, our friend Tex Western actually from Acme Packing Company is down there. Hopefully we can get some audio uh, from there, uh, from his vantage point. Uh, and make sure you guys check out acmepackingcompany.com. And, and yes, please do. And let me just let me just say this too: is I'm not saying that it should be done away with because there are guys who are marginal who might not get drafted on film alone. That this combine and these pro days help them get in the NFL. So good for them and more power to them. I'm not saying to get rid of it. I'm saying I'm not interested in it. I'm saying that it's really not useful for for people who I think are exceptional talents who are sure to be drafted anyway. I think if it makes you a six-round pick when you weren't going to be drafted, well, good. Then it got you a job and it got you to chase your dream. So it served its purpose there. So understand, I'm not just completely dismissing it, but if you're a player, you're a player. And if you're a player and I've watched you for four years on film at LSU, but you go in there and you don't bench you can only do 18 instead of 20 reps. I'm still going to draft you because I've got four years that tells me you can play ball. That's all I'm saying. But if you're on the fringe, if you're one of those guys that people weren't sure of, well, maybe this helps you get drafted, and that's good. So understand what I'm saying. Like, I think for certain people, the combine is important. For others, I think it does more harm than good. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, it should be interesting to see. I think in, in this case, it's going to be interesting to see what Tyler Merritt does. For the bat, you know, former Badgers left tackle, uh, really long consecutive streak. There, we'll see what he does. The Senior Bowl wasn't necessarily too kind to him. Uh, you're looking at the fact that he, you know, he was beat a few times in this in the uh, the East West Shrine Shrine game, I should say. Uh, Stave looked a little off in the East West Shrine game. But you're also uh, – people love the the intang- – or not the tan- intangibles, but you're looking at the fact that he's 6'5", six, six, uh, pro-style quarterback, very intelligent. We'll, but we'll see how he does when it comes to the simple fact of the accuracy, which he'll get to throw at the combine. 
He'll be able to throw it, um, see if he can show more of uh, accuracy, which at times, and many of you know during his UW career, was not there. Uh, you know, other times they were there was, and so we'll see if the uh, how he can improve his stock there. And you know, there's probably not, he probably, in my opinion, probably won't get drafted, but he's going to find a camp somewhere. And if a quarterback coach can get a hold of him, uh, there you go. This is his chance to kind of show off here, and then also on March 9th at UW Pro Day. But yeah, uh, you know, but yeah, we'll see. And like you know, there's and there's other even look kind of transcending going for the Packers right now and, and seeing. I mean, obviously, there's some positions to look at, possibly defensive line. Uh, you're looking at inside linebacker, uh, uh, which you know, if if Reggie Reglin from Alabama, who you know, you and I both got a chance to see against the Badgers, uh, pretty darn you know, at the beginning of the year in Dallas, darn good linebacker. If they if he falls somehow to them in the late first round, obviously yeah. that's a big, yeah, that'd be great, right, for the Packers, uh, even though there yeah. sounds like a lot of, yeah, but, I mean, they have other another needs, like tight end, uh, Hunter Henry from Arkansas. I think if Henry's there, you take him. I, I honestly think this year, I don't know why, I know I should know better because I've been following him since he took over his the, the post, but I think this is the year Ted Thompson makes – a little bit bigger of a splash in free agency. And I'd real me personally, and I don't want to get into the debate about it. We'll talk about it more because we only have a few minutes left. But I'd like to see him make a play for Laurinaitis. I really would. Um, you know, he's way better. Somebody compared him to A.J. Hawk. He's way better than A.J. Hawk. Okay, so so there's that. Um, and then draft the tight end and, and see what happens from there. But, I was shocked to see the Rams cut Long, Laurinaitis, and Jared Cook. Not so much Jared Cook, but Long and Laurinaitis. It kind of a kind of interesting to see that move. But maybe they're looking to gear up. They're moving to LA. Maybe they want to bring in some high-profile free agents, and I guess that would make sense. Yeah, but, but uh, I'm hoping Laurinaitis comes in so he can start doing Road Warrior and Legion of Doom puns. Like, you know, well, I, saw, I, I, I saw his dad Saturday at, or Sunday at the Admirals game. So I didn't sit, I didn't stand in line for three hours like everybody else because I'm not a Mark and I had met, uh, I had met him a couple times in the past. But had I had a chance, I would have asked him, you know, hey, so let's see if we can get your son here to Green Bay. But, uh, um, but yeah, I, uh, uh, saw a Road Warrior animal at the Admirals game with Ricky Steamboat and, uh, who else was there? Uh, How was it, by the way? I, well, honestly, I wasn't expecting to be there for the game. I wanted the Crusher bobblehead, right? <laughs> so what I was going to do is I was going to buy a ticket, go in and get my bobblehead, and leave. So we go up to the ticket window, and they tell me that a single seat upstairs is 23 bucks. I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. But then he proceeds to tell me that I can get two seats in the lower bowl for the same price and get two Wendy's value meals for it. So we're like, all right, so now we have two tickets, so we decided to stay for the whole game after we got our bobblehead. Of course, we saw everybody who is wrestling in this town. I mean, Frankie DeFalco, Angel Armani, Dave here. I mean, every fan, you know, obviously you would expect that for their salute to wrestling, but we weren't even going to stay for the game. I just wanted that bobblehead, and we ended up getting two tickets for the price of one at the box office and better seats, so we watched the, watched the game they won in a shootout. They, they're playing good hockey. I got my Crusher bobblehead and uh, got to see the wrestlers that were signing autographs, even though I didn't stand in line to meet to them. So, so there you go. That's nice. With that, obviously you're at the Bradley Center, but then the Bucks are in town. Bucks uh, win against the Lakers last night. Kobe's last night in our last game playing at uh, at Milwaukee uh, in the city of Milwaukee and. Giannis, obviously, for, uh, was it his first triple-double, if I'm not mistaken, and didn't make any moves at the trade deadline that were yeah. of note. I know Jeff Teague, was his name was thrown out. It sounds like Jeff Teague in Milwaukee has been, like, the star-crossed ever since, uh, you know, the Larry Drew days, and, uh, again, not coming to Madison, or not to Madison, to Milwaukee. And This, but, team, this team's a better team if Jeff Teague's on it. Michael Carter, okay, I, I don't want to oversimplify anything. And by the way, a big win also against Atlanta on Saturday. That was, that was a huge win. But I don't want to oversimplify because it's not just one person's fault that this team isn't as good as it was last year. 
you know, I like Greg Monroe. I'm still glad they signed him, but they don't have interior defense uh, to help him out because he's not a defensive player. But Michael Carter-Williams, from the time they got him at the trade deadline last year till now, they're more than 20 games below 500. If you remember, they were above 500, well above it, five, six games above it when they acquired him last year, and they barely snuck into the playoffs. And then this year, he's not a great... People look at his steals and they think he's a great defender. He's great at chasing down loose balls off deflections, but he he's easily taken off the dribble, very easy. He's not a great shooter. I, I still think, listen, I know Philadelphia has done some weird things in the last few years, and I, and I know they're rebuilding, but how do you take a guy who was rookie of the year, you still control his contract for two years so it wasn't a salary dump, and then you trade him away like he's nothing a year after winning rookie of the year. If that wasn't a warning sign, I don't know what was. So maybe it's leadership or lack thereof. I don't know what the issue is, but there's clear, clearly a different ball club from the time that they acquired him to where they are now. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Your point guard controls a lot of what goes on uh, on the floor, and he's just not in sync with his teammates. Again, there's more to it than that. It's not all just one person's fault, but I'm telling you, that's a big part of it. And I, what does uh, what what should fans expect over this last ha- last quarter of the season? I mean, what is there to look forward to? And I mean, I don't have the standings up. I'm going to take a look right now. But it's you know, well, how many games, teams have the leapfrog? Yeah, there's six games out. There's two teams ahead of them before they get to the Bulls, but there's six out. They'd have to be essentially. They'd almost have to go twenty and seven or nineteen and eight. And there's nothing. There's no reason to believe that that's going to happen. They have. You're not going to play 700 ball when you've been 10 games under 500 at this point. So they're not making the playoffs this year. But what do you have to look forward to? You still have a good young nucleus. I think in the off season they'll figure out what to do about getting rid of uh, Carter Williams. What they need is they need Chris Middleton hasn't been the player they thought he was going to be. And in retrospect, hindsight being what it is, maybe they should have kept Brandon Knight, not made the trade for MCW and let Middleton walk. What you have to do, though, is have a, a consistent outside threat, not Novak. Okay, I like Novak. But you need a consistent outside threat from one of your star players, from one of your top six or seven guys. Novak is a role player, who's, but he's just a shooter. He's not going to play enough minutes. You need one of your starting five to be able to knock down threes on a consistent basis. Okay, So they need that. But what do you have to look forward to? Giannis is still really good. Parker's still really good. I like Monroe, even though his defense isn't great. Um, there's still things to be happy about and optimistic about, just not this year, not for the last. So what do you hope for, that they play better, that they continue to respond to Jason Kidd and his coaching? Uh, if they finish strong, even if they fall a couple games short, at least you could say, I know it's loser mentality. to say, Well, look, we almost made it. But you don't want to see him quit. Bucks teams of old would quit. You know that. Chris Ford Bucks teams, um, you know the the Kristoviak Bucks teams, the the Larry Drew Bucks teams, the Scott Stock Giles Bucks teams. If they were in the same position record wise, would have thrown in the towel already. So you just hope that they don't quit. That they don't just say, "Well, well, this next year we've already checked out. We're already thinking about our summer plans." If they don't do that then there's still a lot to be optimistic about. But they'll have to make some moves. They have a good nucleus, but they don't have all the parts they need yet. And hopefully that that's something that they'll be able to do through the draft and through the offseason, and, and we'll see what happens. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's disappointing, but the fact that they haven't folded up the tents yet and they're still hanging out and still playing decent basketball over the last 20 games gives me a reason to be optimistic. See, I like to pull the old man card. I'll pull it out here. We were just talking about Badger basketball a while ago. And I remember Badger basketball when it was terrible. You know, before the Steve Yoder years. Terrible. Okay? I remember Bucks basketball under Chris Ford and, and whatnot when it was terrible. I remember Packers when they were terrible. Brewers, they'll be bad this year, but I remember when they were consistently terrible. This 
Bucks team again, much like the Brewers in every building. This Bucks team doesn't remind me of some of the terrible Bucks teams. They're not great. They're flawed. They took a step back. But I've seen and lived through worse, and so have a lot of Bucks fans. Yeah, it's yeah, and and it's uh, there's obviously a lot of intrigue still. Obviously, the stadium's going to be built at some point. You know, they're staying in Milwaukee, but like you said, the nucleus is there. Uh, the logo, everything's trending positively. It, you know, and it's one thing too with another thing where fans were spoiled last year, where there's such a dramatic improvement. I think that's one thing mm-hmm. people need to realize too. You, it, you know, you go from what, like, how many wins up to, you know, five over five hundred, five hundred right around there, and 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 it's it's one of those things where it's just, they're gonna have to take a little bit of time to. Sure, the, the league it. was gonna up to you. They were gonna see you on film, and there was gonna be a little regression to the mean as well. And so you saw all that, like. So yes, there was gonna be some of that, and and now you have to see the next step for this young team is to overcome that, to take that regression and use that and fuel it to, to come back next year and get back to above 500 and then have two years in a row where they're a playoff team. That's the growth. And then keep the young guys together and re-sign them. I mean, so there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. It's a fluid situation. It's not just, you know, here it is, boom, all of a sudden they're instant winners. Um, so, yeah, so that that's going to be key is, is how they rebound from the uh, – from the back step they took this year. With that, anything else uh, on your mind before we uh, take it home from here? Um, no, other than if, if you're in the Milwaukee area, my last Milwaukee, I have three wrestling matches left in me. Um, my last Milwaukee match takes place Sunday at 5 o'clock at the Miramar Theater for Legacy Pro Wrestling. Myself and a mystery partner take on Jack Spade and Vic Ross. And if I win, it's my last match no matter what, but if my team wins, Vic Ross will have to retire as well. Mm, some drama and intrigue there. <laughs> so uh, that's that's my personal plug. You're, pub, you're pubbing books and doing things that are helping humanity, and I'm plugging wrestling. But, hey, come on down. If you're in Milwaukee, 5 o'clock, it's a school night, but we'll be done by seven thirty, eight o'clock. Everybody gets home at a decent hour, and I get to go off, hopefully walking. If I can walk out of the building, then it, it was a win for me no matter what. <laughs> uh, on that note, yeah, I got nothing else on my end, brother. Uh, just a quick plug, by the way, as always, our Rent College pads, uh, our great friends there. We actually have a... Next week we'll have our uh, a Bucks correspondent on hopefully coming up there and uh, it's great big big thanks to to Rent College Pads you know we'd like to thank our presenting sponsor uh, for their support of the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza finding off contest campus housing has always been a chore until now browse tons of properties on Rent College Pads today they have all the best apartments and houses around campus and in Madison. Find your next place on Rent College Pads today. And, and, and please do. Obviously, if you're Madison, if you're in Milwaukee, there's opportunities for that. Uh, and, and they've actually been much more, uh, I think, entrenched in the Milwaukee area. But they're making their way out to Madison, folks. Uh, if you're looking for a good place to stay, uh, make sure you guys check out rentcollegepads.com. Uh, and uh, we'll be back coming up next week. We're making this uh, after a little bit of a, uh, a hiatus. That's more on me, obviously, with the book project and contract negotiations. And golly, I've had about 12 this week. It'll be another 12 in the past two weeks. I got another four coming up uh, this week, starting tomorrow. Uh, or it's actually today, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's been nuts there. But uh, we'll make sure. Like I said, we're, this podcast is not going anywhere. Uh, we're only going higher, and we'll have some guests on coming up. Uh, talking some combine, talking uh, next week. We'll talk to Tex Western, hopefully uh, next Tuesday, talking about uh, the combine and the you know how Wisconsin players did, but also just what are some big positions that the Packers need to fill and and who shined uh, during the combine in Indianapolis. We'll we'll talk some bucks, and, uh, obviously. We'll have to probably in about three weeks or so. Four weeks, I don't know. We'll we'll look at schedule. I probably have to do a WrestleMania podcast, but um, 
we'll let the card shape up a little bit before we even bother with that. We'll have to get we'll have to get Wes on and and some of our other uh, Bucky fifth quarter friends and talk some uh, maybe do a, a round table somewhere around uh, WrestleMania. But we'll we'll figure that out. We, we'll talk it through. Sounds good. Uh, everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at B5Q for Bucky's fifth quarter at Kielbasa Kings WI for the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza at Scott Wisniewski two for Scotty's Twitter handle and then me Jake Coco B5Q turning next week. Big stuff as always. Doza Bachenia, my friends. Accordion solo American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Record. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.